me invite your attention to Colossians chapter 3, how to keep your family from breaking down. And as we find our place in God's Word, let me say this morning to those in the room and members of First Baptist Church, Angie and I love you dearly. Thank you for blessing us this morning. Thank you for praying for us and supporting us. And we love you and grateful to see the Lord move in our midst with you. As I think about Colossians 3, I think about the divorce rate. I think about the rise of single-parent families. I think about the number of couples who decide not to get married but just live together. And then I think about domestic violence and sexual abuse. And when I think about all those issues, it is evident that the family seems to be breaking down. Well, what does the Bible say about the family? And I want to walk through that this morning as we open up God's Word together. So we think about this message, how to keep the family from breaking down. I would encourage us in this room, those who are watching, to be honest and to even be confessional. And here's what I mean by that. There are some this morning who need to come before the Lord and say, as for my marriage or as for my family, we're in trouble. It's a major step for you. And then other people need to be honest and confessional to say, we're not only in trouble, but our family or our marriage has already broken down. And then ask these questions based upon that. What do we do next? How do we move forward? Is it possible that our marriage, our family could be restored and put back together again? What's the future for us? Now, I want to give you some insights, not on the outline just yet, but I want, to, want you to understand these. What, why do families, marriages break down? What's the issue of that? Why? Let me give you some of those. One, just regular maintenance has not been practiced. If your car is going to work well, your house is going to stay in good shape, our church facility is going to be in good shape, regular maintenance is necessary. The same is true in your marriage and your family. If you're going to prevent your family, your marriage from breaking down, you need to do regular maintenance on those relationships. Spend time, give attention, do what needs to be done. Second reason, we ignored the warning signs. Just like in our cars, house, church facilities, warning signs come on. Sometimes we pay attention to them, but other times we simply ignore them. We don't do anything about it. But you and I, when it comes to marriage and family, we cannot ignore the warning signs. We must give attention. We can't put our heads in the sand and pretend this will go away or everything's going to be okay. It needs attention. If the warning sign is on, make sure you don't ignore that. There, another reason is sometimes people just don't know how to do marriage or even how to do family. Uh, they're not in God's Word, so they don't know what the Bible says about the relationship with a husband and wife or even a family. Maybe they grew up and saw a dysfunctional marriage or a dysfunctional family, and so they just don't have good insight and examples to say, here's what you do, and it leads to problems. And then there's a fourth area sometimes. We try to solve problems on our own. We'll handle this. I'll handle this. We'll get through this. I'll figure out a way to make this happen. Where sometimes we need to be humble enough to say we can't fix this on our own. We need professional expert help to be able to do what needs to be done. Just like our cars, houses, church facilities, there are things that tear up, things that happen. We just can't fix it on our own. So we need professional expert help to be able to do that. There was a pastor one time who was preaching a message on conflict in marriage and so he gave them a great biblical message at the end of his sermon he said when you leave today 
I'm going to give you a little wooden cross, and if you'll take that wooden cross and put it in the room that you and your spouse, you argue the most in. And that way, when you're having a disagreement, things get a little bit heated, then you can look at that cross in that room, and you can handle that differently than you would have before. Well, the husband and wife were walking out. They greeted the pastor, and he said, let me give you a cross. And she said, Pastor, if you don't mind, because we disagree so much in so many rooms, we need five crosses, not one. But, but how do you prevent your family from breaking down? I would encourage us too as we think about that. We've got to be consistent with God's word because when we think about what Paul is teaching here to the believers in Colossae about wives and husbands and parents and children, you've got to make sure it's in context. What he said in chapter 1, verse 1, all the way through chapter 3, verse 17 will apply in the context of relationships. The believers in Colossae, but also you and me, we need to know who Jesus is. We need to know that he is the son of God. He is God. He is the head of the church. He is to be the Lord of our lives. We need to know also that how to have a relationship with him. It's not but good works or religious deeds. It's he gave his life on a cross and died for you and me. Jesus paid it all that we could be forgiven and in a relationship with him. But also, we need to know how to relate with other people. As you remember, a couple of weeks ago, Paul talked to us about what to take off. These behaviors do not fit who you are in Christ. Last week, he talked to us about what to put on. These behaviors fit who you are in Christ. And so when we look at the great test of the Christian life is, yes, how we relate with the Lord Jesus Christ, but also how we relate with other people in life, in church, in the workplace, at school, but also in the family. How do we relate with one another? So I've given you four insights here from God's Word that I want us to walk through for a few moments. How to keep your family from breaking down. Number one, wives, follow the leadership of your husbands. Now, I know when I read this verse, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. There are some today, maybe in this room, and I encourage you, if you're watching, don't log off at this point. There are some folks that say, that's why I didn't want to come today. I don't like that word submit. But, but many times we don't like it because we don't understand it. So as you and I think about that, some people say, I don't like that word. It's probably, this is one of the most controversial passages you'll find in the Bible. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to the Lord. What in the world does he mean? So we simply don't like it, but we want to understand in context, what is God saying to you and me? Wives, follow the leadership of your husbands. Now, look at these two things. I want to first answer the question, what does God not mean? Uh, we need to make sure we understand this. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. What does that mean? What does it not mean? Here's what it doesn't mean. Wives, it doesn't mean that you're inferior to your husband. You are created in the sight of God. You are fearfully and wonderfully made. He's got a great plan and purpose for your life. So in no way, when we see this word submit, does it mean that you're inferior to your husband. That is not God's teaching. It doesn't mean that you're a doormat either. It doesn't mean that your husband is to literally run over you. Not talking about that. That's not what that is indicating. So when it says you're not inferior, you're not a doormat, I would just encourage us as husbands, when we look at our wives, let's make sure we honor them and respect them and love them. Let's make sure as husbands that we never talk bad about them. Make sure that they're never the brunt of our jokes when we're in conversation with other people. Just don't do that. It's not appropriate who we are in Christ. And so you look at it, you're not in fear, you're not a doormat, you're not a slave to your husband. 
But also understand this as husbands, you're not a dictator either. As the Bible is going to say, as husbands, we are servant leaders. Jesus was a servant leader. And so I just encourage us as, as husbands, fathers, make sure that we honor, respect, and listen to our wives because they are wise, they have insights from the Lord, and we are to love them as we're going to see as Christ loves the church. So, so wives, it doesn't mean you're in fear. It doesn't mean you're a doormat. It doesn't mean that you're a slave. It doesn't mean that your husband's a dictator. It doesn't mean that. Look at the second question. What does God mean then? If it doesn't mean those things, when he says, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord, what does that mean? It means that you're to do so voluntarily. That word submit is an ongoing word. It's something that you should do every day of your life. That's just an attitude of a hard attitude that you have. You do that voluntarily. It also means that you recognize that your husband is God's appointed leader. A church needs a leader. A family needs a leader. Marriage needs a leader. Workplace needs a leader. We need leaders so the husband is God's appointed leader. Again, a servant leader, by the way. But also we need to be willing to submit to Jesus. Because as we think about this word submit, we're not just to submit to one another, we're submit to Christ. And as you and I submit to the Lord Jesus Christ, then it puts in the position to submit to one another in life. So please understand what he's saying. Wise, follow the leadership of your husbands. That's a great challenge and means husbands, you need to be leading as a servant leader. Okay, number two, husbands display sacrificial love to your wives. Now, husbands, as you look at this text in verse 18, wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting in the Lord. I just encourage you as husbands, make sure you understand this. As you quote that verse to your wife again and again, as you take lipstick and write it on the mirror in her bathroom every morning, before you do that, I'd pay attention to verse 19. Make sure you get that in your mind because he said here, husbands, love your wives Paul said to the believers in Ephesus, as Christ loved the church, and he says, and do not be harsh with them. Wives, submit to, the, to your husbands as fitting to the Lord. Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. The word love there is the word agape love. It's not simply romantic. It's not emotional. It is sacrificial. It's about commitment. So as you do that, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. You say, well, how do I do that? Giving you two insights. Number one, make your marriage a priority. Husbands today in this room, those who are watching, if we had the opportunity to ask you a question and, and you could be honest, and if we ask your wife as well, would she say and would you say that your marriage is a priority for you in life? Would you say that and would she say that? We all have priorities in life, but is your marriage a priority in your life? And you say, well, how do I know that? We all have priorities. How would I know that? One, you give your marriage time. You talk to each other. You spend time together. Just because you said I do, whatever that was, doesn't mean you have to stop dating one another in the marriage relationship. You give your marriage time. You invest in your marriage relationship in the lives of one another. That's how you make your marriage a priority is time. Second word there is serve. If you're going to make your marriage a priority, you give your relationship time, but you also serve your wife. You're a servant leader. Aren't you grateful when Paul said, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church? How did he love the church? He gave his life for the church. 
He was willing to obey the will of the Father. He died on the cross. He shed his blood for the church, for you and for me. That's how much he loves you and me. And husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Are you willing to sacrifice for your wife in life? Dr. Robert McQuilkin was president of Columbia University. Godly man, faithful to Jesus, faithful to his wife, faithful to the assignment at Columbia University that God gave him. And Dr. McQuilkin's wife ended up and developed Alzheimer's in life. And she was discontented when she was away from him, but she was contented when she was with him. And there were times that she would literally leave the house, walk for miles just to go to his office at Columbia University so she could see him and it would give her comfort and peace in life. Dr. McQuilkin came to an interesting juncture in his life. Yes, he was president of Columbia University, but also he had made a commitment to his wife, richer and poor, sickness and in health. What was he going to do? Dr. McQuilkin came to that fork in the road and he made a decision about his role at Columbia University, but also his wife. So I want you to watch this video. It is his resignation speech from Columbia University. And here's how he gave his wife time, but here's also how he served his bride. As Christ loved the church, he loved her. Watch his resignation resignation speech. I haven't in my life experienced easy decision-making on major decisions, but uh, one of the simplest and clearest decisions I've had to make is this one, because circumstances dictated it. Uh, Muriel, now, uh, in the last couple of months, seems to be almost happy when with me, and almost never happy when not with me. In fact, she seems to feel trapped, becomes very fearful, sometimes almost terror. And when she can't get to me, there can be anger. She's in distress. But when I'm with her, she's happy and contented. And so I must be with her at all times. And you see, it's not only that I promised in sickness and in health, Till death do us part. And I'm a man of my word. But as I have said, I don't know with this group, but I've said publicly, it's the only fair thing. She sacrificed for me for 40 years to make my life possible. So, if I cared for her for 40 years, I'd still be in debt. However, there's much more. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. I love her very dearly, and you can tell it's not easy to talk about. She's a delight. It's a great honor to care for such a wonderful person. It's not that I have to, it's that I get to. Jesus laid down his life for the church. And husbands, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? And how do you do that? Well, you make your marriage a priority. Look at the second. You show your wife agape love. When he says in his passage, husbands, love your wives and do not be harsh with them. Again, agape love is a powerful form of love. It's about surrender. It's about sacrifice. It's about commitment. 
And you say, well, how do I do that? What does my wife need? I would just go back and look at, again, Colossians chapter 3, verses 12 through 17. What does she need? If you're going to show her agape love, what does that look like? Well, she needs compassion. What does she need? She needs kindness. She needs humility and meekness, gentleness. She needs patience. She needs forbearance. She needs forgiveness. She needs love. She needs your attention. She needs your affection. She needs your investment in her life. There's a husband and wife. They knew their marriage wasn't going well. She wanted to go see a counselor. He didn't really want to, but he agreed to go. They lined up a time to see a marriage counselor. They go in and see this marriage counselor. They sit down together. The husband literally really said nothing. And so the wife starts opening up. She starts crossing her arms. And as she continued to speak about their marriage, how difficult it was, tears filled up her eyes, started flowing down her face. Her voice started to crack. And the counselor whom they were meeting with, very wise, godly man, he knew the needs of that lady, that wife. And so as a counselor, he just took her by the hand and he looked her in the eyes and he just stood up and then he lifted her up by the hand and he gave her a very inappropriate, gentle embrace to that lady. And as the counselor said, immediately, her countenance and behavior changed. Her facial expression changed. Everything about her changed. And he turned to the husband and he said, Sir, that's what she needs. And the husband looked at his iPhone and he said, Well, that's great. I'll bring her by here every Tuesday and Thursday for the next number of weeks. <laughs> Husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church. Wives, are you following the leadership of your husbands? Husbands, are you loving your wives as Christ loved the church? Are you sacrificial in your love for your bride? Number three, children, respect the authority of your parents. He says in this passage, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. How to keep your family from breaking down. Let me, let me make a little statement here. Kids, if your parents are asking you to do something that's harmful, your parents are asking you to do something that disobeys the Lord, you need to be willing to talk with someone. You need to have a conversation with someone and say, here's what my parents are asking me to do. It's harmful to me or it disobeys Jesus. Talk with someone. He says here, children, obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. Again, what the Lord's going to lead you to do is always going to be pleasing unto him. So the heart here is about authority. As we think about authority, authority does matter. Respect the authority of your parents. Let me give you some insights. One, children matter. As you and I think about the word of God, children matter. You are fearfully and wonderfully made in the sight of God. Children matter. Parents, I would encourage you you say, well, my children may be grown. Well, they still probably need it. I would encourage you parents somewhere, make sure if you possibly can, look your children in the eye and let them know how valuable and important they are to you in your life. They, they desperately need to hear that and to see that. Children matter. I would say to us as a church as well, let's make sure that preschoolers and kids and students in this church know how valuable they are to us as the body of Christ. And how do we do that? Well, we pray for our staff leaders who lead in those areas of ministry. We volunteer in those areas of ministry because we want to make a difference in the next generation. 
It also means that when we budget resources in our annual budget, we make sure that we give plenty of resources to preschool kids and students because we want to see Jesus do an incredible work in that generation. In fact, research says most people who come to faith in Jesus do so before the age of 15. Children matter to the Lord, but also to you as parents, but also to us as a church. Look at number two, authority matters. As you and I think about what he's saying, children obey the leadership, obey your parents and everything. It's about leadership, so authority matters. You and I are to live under authority. That's who the Lord made us. We live under his authority. We're accountable to him, but we also live under the authority of other people. So God says, I want you to live under authority. The world's going to say to you and me, you can live outside of authority. Who do we want to listen to, Almighty God or the world? We want to listen to God. And so when he asks us to live under authority, Lord, we're going to live under your authority. And then as children, we're going to live under the authority of our parents. That is wise to do in life. That's what the word of God is teaching. Authority matters. And here's what I would ask you as parents in this day, in this generation. When you look at your kids, you've got kids at home. Do you know what kids are watching on television? Do you know what your kids are listening to with earphones on? Do you know what's going on in their lives? Because I promise you this, there are things that some of them may be watching or listening to that could destroy their lives and life. Because they are being bombarded with messages about disobedience to Almighty God and those messages rarely talk about the consequences. Do you know what they're watching? Do you know what they're listening to? Children, you need to come under the authority of your parents. And if they ask to say, I want to see what you're watching, I want to listen to what you're listening to, that is their leadership in life. They're protecting you. Because God's way is you live under authority. The world's way, you live outside of authority. Number three, leadership matters. When I say leadership matters, he said again, children, obey your parents in everything, for this pleases the Lord. Nowhere in the Word of God do we see where children are to lead the family. Parents are to lead the family. Edward VIII, who was the Duke of Windsor, came to the United States one time, and he came here and spent some days. He went back, and so people asked him there to say, what were your impressions about life in the United States? What stood out to you the most? And Edward VIII said, you know, one of the things that got my attention pretty quick was how much parents obey the leadership of their kids. Th that's not the way it works. Parents, you're the leaders. You're to be the leadership. You're to give direction to your family, to your kids. Children are not in the position to lead you. Number four, approval matters. Look at this text. It says, children... Obey your parents in everything for this pleases the Lord. As you and I obey the leadership of Christ, it pleases him. I mean, what pleases him? Well, when somebody gets saved, that pleases him. When somebody's growing in a Christian life, that pleases him. When a church is about the Great Commission, that pleases him. But also when kids obey the leadership of their parents, that pleases Almighty God. Approval matters. Look at number four, parents model healthy behaviors for your children. Model healthy behaviors for your children. I would say to you as parents, one of the greatest things you can do for your kids is model for them a healthy marriage. Just be honest about it. 
If you have issues or, or maybe you've been divorced, just be honest about that with kids. Here's what happened in our relationship. I want to be transparent with you. Model healthy behaviors. Look at number one, healthy relationships. You want to have a healthy relationship with your kids. Why does he say in this passage? He says, fathers, ultimately talking about parents, do not provoke your children lest they become discouraged. How many kids are discouraged in our day? How many kids need counseling because they're discouraged in our day? Parents, make sure, again, you model healthy behaviors to your kids. Make sure healthy relationships are a part of your life. Now, I want to give you some insights here about we see a lot of unhealthy kids. What leads to that? I want to give you some of those in the negative, but you can turn around in the positive. Number one, fail to spend time with them. If you want your kids to be unhealthy, just ignore them. Don't give them any time. I read some research the other day about fathers said in relationship to sons, the average father spends 37 seconds a day in actual communication with a son. 37 seconds a day. You fail to spend time with him. I would challenge you, moms and dads in relationship to kids, turn off the television, put down the electronics, and spend time with your kids. Yeah, to make a difference in their lives. If you want them to have a healthy relationship and be strong and healthy in life, give them the best time of your life. Spend time with them. Look at number two, give them everything they want. Aren't you grateful this morning that God says no to some things? He says wait on some things. I'm grateful that God doesn't give us everything that we want. And parents, somewhere you need to be willing to say no or wait to your kids. You don't have to give them everything they want. There were two students one day talking, and one of them said to the other, I'm worried about my parents. And the other student said, well, what are you worried about? He said, well, my dad, my dad, he works two jobs. He just bought me a new car. He buys me clothes all the time, gives me pretty much anything I want. My mom, she works day and night. My mom irons my clothes. She prepares my food. She cleans my room. She does all those things for me. And the other one said, well, what in the world do you worry about? And the one said, I'm afraid they're going to try to escape. (laughs) Just be careful about giving kids everything they want. Spend time with them. Also know where boundaries are. It's okay to say no. It's okay to say wait. Make sure, again, you're healthy in your relationships. Three, speak words that limit their potential. If you want them to be unhealthy in life, just speak words that limit their potential. For example, I've heard parents say this to kids. Why can't you be like your brother or sister? I've heard parents say, you're not going to amount to much in life. I've heard parents say to kids, why can't you do better than that? Be careful what you say to them. Your words matter. The lie on the playground is what? Sticks and stones may break my bones, but word never hurt me. That is a lie from the enemy right there. Folks, I could take you to many, many children today, even adult children today who are wounded in life because of words they heard from a parent years and years and years ago. I'm getting ready to make a statement that some of you in the room don't even know what I'm talking about is a cassette player. Some of you don't even know what that is. But it's almost like the enemy uses this. Parents say some words and it's recorded. And then what do you do? You get to the end and you hit rewind. It goes back and goes again. 
That's just exactly what kids do over and over again. They hear that message, it ends, it rewinds, it plays again. Be careful with your words. Speak words that build them up, not tears them down. Next, maintain unrealistic expectations for them. If you want them to be unhealthy, you just, main un, you just maintain unrealistic expectations. Please understand this. Expectations are good. Unrealistic expectations are bad. And here's what many kids say. They look at their lives and they say, there is no way I can please my mom or dad. The expect expectations are too great for me. And then here's their connection. Well, if I can't please mom and dad, then how can I ever please the heavenly father? Scars them in life. And so I just encourage you parents, as you think about your kids, spend time with them. You affirm them. You maintain realistic expectations. You don't have to give them everything. You want them to know healthy relationships matter. Look at the second one, healthy discipline. I'll give you a word here when it comes to discipline. There's unhealthy discipline. There's healthy discipline. Always make sure whenever you discipline your kids, you discipline them in love, in obedience to Christ. And then last, healthy instructions. You want to teach your kids the ways of Christ. Oh, there's some books out there that I've read and uh, I've digested. Again, a lot of people I've talked to. You want to make sure in your family, healthy instructions, meaning this, here's how you know Christ. Here's what the Word of God says. Here's how you make decisions to be in the will of God. You want to give them insight. You want to give them wisdom. You want to give them courage. You want to give them healthy instructions. What happens? The church complements what you do in the home as parents, as a family. We don't take your place. We just compliment what you're doing. How to keep your family from breaking down. I want us to bow together here for a moment. And in this room or those who are watching online, I just want to encourage you to think about your marriage, think about your family. And I just want to give you an appeal. This altar, this area in front is open for you. What a glorious sight it would be to see this altar filled with husbands and wives, parents and children just coming together and praying together to say, we want to make sure our family doesn't break down. We want our family to run strong in obedience to Jesus. And so those who are watching online, you may need to make an altar where you are, your living room, your kitchen, wherever you may be watching from. Husbands and wives get together, parents and kids, you get together, and you just say, Lord, will you help us not to break down as a family? And in this room, I want to invite you to even pray with your family today that you would be strong and not break down. And then I want to say, those in the room, those watching, if you need to give your life to Christ, again, he gave his life on a cross for you and for me. He'll change your life today. You come to him, respond to him, surrender your life to him. We saw glorious baptisms this morning. You need to be baptized in obedience to Christ. Step out and come forward today. We want to celebrate with you and help you take that next step in your relationship with Christ. 
church family, church affiliation, you want to be a part of what God's doing here, make it official. Make a commitment. Step out and walk down one of the aisles today as an individual, as a couple, as a family, and to say, we've been coming here for a while. God's led us here. We love this church. We want to be a part of what God's doing. There's joy in the house of the Lord, and we want to obey him today. Then we want to come back again right here in this altar area. Our staff will be here. Our prayer team will be here. If you're watching online, you can email us or you can respond on one of the platforms you're watching on. And we'll come alongside you. But wouldn't it be a glorious sight for this altar to be filled with husbands and wives and families praying together and saying, God, help us not to break down in this life. And if you're watching, you can comment to us where you're at praying. And we want to celebrate and pray with you as well. At the cross, at the cross, where I first saw the light, and the burden of my heart rolled away. Maybe the days where those burdens roll away. Your family's in trouble. Your family's already broken down. He can restore it by his amazing grace right here today. So, Father, I pray in the room and those watching that families, couples, marriages will seek you together. We pray for people to be saved. We pray for for people to be obedient. We pray for for people to make a connection with your church. And Father, I pray for marriages and families that we would be strong, not broken down. And thank you, you're the one who brings healing and restoration. What's broken, you can repair. What needs a tune-up, you can do that because you created marriage and the family. And so Father, I pray pride would not be in this invitation. I pray there would not be complacency or disobedience in this invitation, but this altar could literally be filled with husbands and wives and parents and kids just saying, God, thank you for our family, or God, we need help. And then we'd love to serve as well. So thank you, Lord Jesus. Everything changed at the cross. And we pray this today in your name. Amen. Let's stand together. Those who are watching and and who are in the room, you come this morning. The altar's open. You come and seek the face of Christ. Let him make you strong, not broken down, as we sing together.